0: All right. You know, I feel like Jude, uh, when Jude was writing his epistle uh, in Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, he said that he began uh, to to write about the common salvation that we share. But then God changed his heart and put on his heart to earnestly, to write about earnestly contending for the faith. That's kind of interesting. You have an epistle that's the Word of God, part of the Word of God, and it's changed. Uh, He was going to write something else, but God had moved on his heart. Well, I've been working on a Uh, you know, some of the messages that have to do with the series that we're going through right now, including making the choice to rejoice. Uh, But I want to do a couple messages on fellowship and how important it is to be in fellowship in light of uh, what's going on, because it's so hard to be in fellowship with COVID, the government lockdowns and everything else, yet we're commanded to be in fellowship. So how do we navigate that? How do we navigate that not only in regard to the government's laws uh, and so forth? Because I've told you from the get-go, Romans 13 says we're supposed to obey the laws of the government unless they contradict the Word of God. Amen. And so if the government issues laws that are contrary to Scripture, like Christians aren't allowed to fellowship at all, uh, then we have to obey the Lord. However, we need to be wise because there's also uh, a disease that is killing you know, millions of people around the world. And uh, almost, or over a quarter million here in our country or so. So uh, we have to navigate these things correctly and wisely. So we want to use social distance and everything else as well. And also the previous uh, attorney general the highest you know lawyer in you know the the federal government uh last year issued a warning to Governor Newsom that he would not make laws that would discriminate against Christians that would go beyond what is for everybody else and that was kind of interesting and then the Supreme Court uh decided that you know when the efforts come before the Supreme Court it did with LA County right that Christians can't meet together uh that the the highest court in land decide yes they can you know but that doesn't mean we don't use wisdom we need we need to use wisdom amen and, and and uh make sure that we're not infecting people and i encourage people who have underlying conditions it's not wise to chance your life you can be in fellowship i want to mention to you that was paul in fellowship not in the greatest expression because i do believe the bible calls us to continuous in-person fellowship uh and paul couldn't do that when he wrote from philippians colossians And to, to the Philippians, the church of Colossae, and the church at Ephesus. And when he wrote to Philippi and these other two churches, he was in prison, he couldn't fellowship but he could fellowship in the way he could. So he still was encouraging people. He was still witnessing. He was still getting reports about the brethren. So he was doing what he could do. So whatever situation you're in, whether you have a compromised immune system or diabetes or other things where uh, it can be very deadly, COVID, uh, we don't encourage you to just go around hugging everybody and be in intimate fellowship with everybody. We encourage you to be wise. Amen. And... Uh, And and, and be at a distance, you know, whether that's live stream or what. But you still need to make sure that you're not spending your life watching Netflix. Amen? We need to make sure we're still reading the word, that we're still in touch with people, that we're encouraging and being encouraged. And we need to make it a serious thing. However, when I was going to write about the importance of fellowship at this time, uh, over and over again, I had this nagging thing that I should do something on abortion, uh, against abortion. I've done a number of messages. We have a video that's gotten some good circulation. Uh, the dark secrets of Planned Parenthood—it's called. Uh, we did an expose on that years ago. That's still av- that's still available. And we encourage people to check out if you haven't seen that. It's an eye opener. Uh, but at the same time, I was torn. I was like, man, I'm I'm always juggling these different series, and if I get too many going, but this is the you know the anniversary—the 48th anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which was passed by the Supreme Court. That's okay to butcher babies in the womb. Uh, January of 1973. So we're talking about the 48th. You know, anniversary in 2021. And part of me was like, man, and I know I was going to mention it in you know, my message or pray about it, but it continued to nag me. And <laughs> my wife came in when I was working on my message this morning, going f- to put the finishing touches on it. And, uh, and I was actually doing that. And she came in and she said, Don't forget to mention it's pro life, you know, it's the anniversary and to pray about that. And that's all it took. I was like, Lord, you know, this doesn't usually come in the morning. Into my office that early, <laughs> so I was like, "Lord, I'm just going to do something against abortion." Lord, give me God's feed. Uh, give me uh, God's feed doesn't actually mean efficiency, but I'll use it that way this sentence. But uh, give me, and I was just, i continued to pray about it. This message has always reverberated in my heart, so I knew it'd be easy to put a message together on this, even though I've been working for. Hours and, hours and 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 hours on my other message. Uh, that happens sometimes. So I felt like the Lord changed it up. So I want to talk about, uh, and, I did, and, I wa- and I wanted to not pull out anything from my old messages at all, which I didn't. Just something fresh, you know. Just sc- scripture and some things I want you to think about. Because we are talking about a Holocaust, guys. I mean, when, we, when you see footage of the Nazi Holocaust, and you think of six million Jews being killed, we think that's barbaric. That's evil. And You should. Amen? And we condemn it. And there was an occult regiment under Hitler. They were, in you know, the swastika was replacing the cross and, and they didn't value life. But now we're dealing not with 6 million people being killed, but 62 million innocent babies in the USA. And just when you think about the Germans that were walking around as though everything was okay, when you see some of the footage in Germany, and many of them didn't know early on, but the ones that you feel new about it and were okay with it, you would think that's reprehensible that, they, that it's just no big deal to them. Well, we all know that abortion is murder. It's not the murder of a cat. It's not the murder of a dog. It's not feline or canine life. It's human life. Amen? Yes. These are babies. These are, and this is so huge before the Lord because he condemns this from Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to the 70th book of the Bible. The book of Revelation. And I say seventieth because I count the Psalms as five different books sometimes. Which it is, actually. So it's quite interesting. It's condemned through the scripture. Murder is condemned by God. Now, there are all kinds of laws out there. And some laws shouldn't be on the books that are on the books. And some that aren't on the books should be on the books. Amen. In fact, God, through Isaiah, the prophet, spoke on how you condemn and put to death those who should be kept alive like today, babies, and you keep alive those who should be put to death. Wow. Sound familiar? You get people that are like, you know, serial child rapists that get five months or something, you know? We live in a wicked, wicked world. But there's some strange laws out there. Like in Michigan, it's illegal to paint sparrows, uh, like parakeets, and sell them. (laughs) Now you get it, right? Right? So sometimes laws don't make any sense until you see a little bit further, oh, there's people that must have been painting sparrows like parakeets and selling them. I didn't know that because Joe was telling me about how a couple years, when he used to live in Michigan, when he was in his early 20s, he got deceived. He bought a bunch of parakeets, but they were sparrows when he gave them a bath. No, I'm, mis- I'm messing around. I made that up. But uh, he's from Michigan, farmer. He would know better, right? But no, that was an actual law, but you realize there's reason behind it. Birmingham, Alabama, it's illegal to drive your car while blindfolded there. Seriously? Thankfully, yeah. And I was like, how did they come up with that law? Somebody must have been driving blindfolded, at least for a little bit. I don't know. In Waynesboro, and, and I shared some of these strange laws with you guys sometimes, so I'm trying to change, share ones I've never shared with you. Although this is one I love because I share it every time I think about the strange laws. Uh, it's illegal in Waynesboro, Pennsylvania, to let a woman drive down the main street without the husband walking in front of her waving a red flag. Or he can run in front of her, too. I'm like, what? I would never, what is that? I would never walk in front of my wife driving anything. It's like, what in the crazy law is that, you know? I'm, I'm kidding. My wife's a really good driver. But, uh, but still, it sounds more dangerous. That sounds like the cure in that case, too, is more dangerous than the, the, the problem, you know? So there's interesting laws. It's illegal to ride a camel on a Nevada highway. In Arizona, it's illegal to hunt camels. It's like why? Well, guess what? In the eighteen in eighteen fifties, they were used. Camels were imported to use in the Revolutionary War, and by the time the Civil War came, they were not being used anymore, and there were camels being auctioned. So, guess what? Might as well make some laws against riding them on the freeway or the highway. Some of them were riding them on the highway, I guess. You know, some of them were hunting. Some people were hunting them in the in the desert. So they made laws. So a lot of times, laws don't make sense until you understand the background. But if you don't understand the background, they don't matter as much to you, even though they may be very important. Same thing with God's law. Because there's a bunch of human silly laws. And uh, man-made laws or laws that people vote for, while they can have their advantages, Uh, the law of the Lord God is what ultimately matters. Okay? Uh, Because the scriptures say, uh, see, morality isn't determined by people voting. You know that? Oh, we think there should be, instead of two genders, even though scientifically there's two biological genders, unless there's a deformity, uh, we're voting that there's 100 genders. That doesn't change the reality that there's two genders. That's anti science and unbiblical. Talk about science denying, you know. It denies science to say that everything came out of nothing. That's not scientific. Deny science to say there's a, this amazing, complicated, obviously designed effect without a cause. That's denying science. It denies science, as I mentioned, to deny that there's two different genders. But it's interesting. Uh, moral law is determined by God and his holy word. Amen? And that's important that we get. Romans 3.20 says, by the law is the knowledge of sin. By the law is the knowledge of sin. And now, praise God, God has written his moral law in our hearts. Most people understand it's wrong to murder, right? It's wrong to steal. It's wrong to rob people, you know? Uh, Lie. Uh, You know, bear false witness. In every civilization, they have laws, for the most part, against those things because God has written his law in our hearts. Although our consciences have been seared, the Bible says, in many cases, with a hot iron. That's how you get psychopaths and sociopaths. But then you get, as, as time goes on, you get more and more people and a lot of times, people that aspire for political power have huge egos, you know? And they're about themselves. And they're on the verge, often, of being psychopaths and sociopaths. They're narcissists, people that are in power, often. They want to be worshipped. Think of some of the presidents. It's all about them, you know? And guess what? A lot of times, people in power will make laws where they don't fear the Lord and will not reflect the conscience that God has given them. Now, the Bible teaches that life is sacred from the womb to the tomb. We're not supposed to kill old people because they're not prosperous workers anymore. We're not supposed to kill little babies or children. Some abortion advocates, even professors, one professor who is a bioethicist who's supposed to talk about ethics with regard to life, believes that parents should be able to kill their children up to the age of two years old, you know? You know, if they have certain handicaps or what have you. That's wicked. But hey, what's the difference from a month old, a day old, and six months old in the womb? And six months old and nine months old in the womb? Brother Jonathan, can you bring up a, if you can find it, if you can't find it, it's probably all over the net though, of that baby, just type in baby, Hand or infant hand out womb, you know, you'll see a, a baby reaching out and grabbing the, the surgeon. They're doing a surgery on a baby in the womb, grabbing the, the doctor's finger. Maybe some of you have seen that. It's powerful. You know, these are babies. So is the baby any less a baby a day before it comes out of the womb? No. Why would it be murder the day after the baby comes, or before the baby comes out of the womb? But after it comes out of the womb, it's not murder. Because, you know, the the Democratic Party now has been fighting vigorously to have abortion legal up to the point of delivery, right? And Obama was the senator on the Senate floor. We did a video called The Abominations. We didn't make it available here because it's uh, not done through the church. I did it separately, but people got it who wanted it. And I show that he was actively on the Senate floor, the most liberal senator, fighting for Babies to be able to be killed after they were delivered. And there's a Born Alive Infant Act that was, conservatives were trying to forbid it. And then he became president. I was like, this is horrific. He was the most liberal. And now Vice President Harris, who just on the coattails of President Biden, it's going to get hard, to, difficult to say that, uh, you know, is the most liberal one in the House and the Senate. I mean, it's just amazing. In fact, she was roundly rejected. I mean, out of the 20 people that were, you know, battling each other in the primaries, she got like the least amount of support or among the least amount of support. But boom, there she is because they wanted to get that far left vote, you know. And other things. Now, it's interesting because God is pro-life. Go to John chapter eight. John chapter eight. Jesus is warning religious leaders... Who are more into man's laws than God's word in God's law, and re- rejecting him, the Pharisees and so forth. And he says in John eight to them, "You are of your father the devil. You want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father lies. It's a lie." and Satan as a father lies, to say that babies are not human. That's just what they did to the African Americans to justify slavery. That's just what the Nazis did to the Jews. They had propaganda films comparing them to rodents. That's what Muslims do with regard to the Jews. They compare them to pigs, rats, and so forth. It's called dehumanizing. It's a tactic that is satanic, and Satan uses that in our country against babies. Of all people, he dehumanizes them. Biologically, are they dead or alive? Let's be honest. Does biology say a baby, growing baby, is dead or alive? It's living, and what kind of feline, canine, or what? Human. It's human life. It's innocent human life. And the crazy thing is, the womb has been designed by God to protect the baby and feed the baby and oxygenate, oxygenate the baby. It's like a, this beautiful, life-giving center that God's created to break into that and destroy an innocent baby is, is murdered. Now, so Satan is the father of lies. And the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Right before that, Paul says, put the whole arm of God that you may stand against the, me- the wiles of the devil. The Greek word methodos means methods. He has different methods, and he's a destroyer. Go to John 10.10. 10. A couple chapters later, look what Jesus says about, says, he says in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And, I am, and I've came what? I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Amen. The thief comes to still kill, and destroy. He said, but I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. He wants us to have life. He wants us to have abundant life. And we don't have the right to take somebody else's life and murder them, amen? But guess what? There's mass murder going on in our country, and we want to forget about that. It really bothers me because sometimes, you know, I'll listen to, you know, I, I love to stay in the Word. I love to read the Scripture. I love to read books in theology, I love to know what's going on in the news, I like from a Christian viewpoint, but I also listen to some conservatives that won't emphasize, because you're driving down the road or what have you, or, or uh, sometimes they have, you know, interesting takes, but it really bugs me when someone claims to be conservative, but they never mention standing up for babies in life, it's like, I don't like listening to those folks, because you know what, you miss the main, the main crime going on in our country right now, which is butchering little children, God is pro-life. Satan came to still kill and destroy. He's a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have more abundantly, even though the thief comes to still kill and destroy. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, the Lord says, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And by choosing life, they were choosing the Lord, who is the life. They're choosing his word, which promotes life. And his word included many prohibitions against Killing, killing people, including innocent babies. In fact, way back before the law of Moses came. So they'll say, oh, that's the law of Moses. We're not a the law of Moses. Before the law of Moses was given. Before God gave them the law at Sinai. We read in Genesis 3, 5. As surely as I require the life of any man or beast, by those hands your, your lifeblood is shed. I will demand an accounting for anyone who takes the life of his fellow man. Verse 6, whoever sheds the blood of man by man, his blood will be shed. For his own Im- in his own image, God has made mankind or humanity. There's a reason behind the law of murder. God created us humans in his image. Amen. In the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, he created man. He called him to tend his creation, tend the garden, name the animals and so forth. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 8 says, you know, when I think of your heavens and the work of your hands, what is man that, that you think about him? What, and the son of man that you care for him? He goes, but you have made him a little bit lower than the angels or heavenly beings, the Hebrews, Elohim. And most translate that as, uh, you know, angels or heavenly beings. And he says, you have made, you have given him dominion over the work of your hands. You put all, all things under his feet. So God, God's given man a, a special position. And you look at humanity, they're far, we're far different than the animals. Have you ever been to a raccoon art gallery that they've made? No, we're far different than, than animals, you know. You know, we, 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 we manage animals for the good and sometimes for the bad. And we're called to be stewards over the earth, amen. Why stewards? We're going to stand before God for our stewardship you know, with the gospel, with what we've done with Jesus ultimately and, and who we've chosen to be morally before him, but also in our stewardship. Christians of all people should have a biblically balanced view of stewardship over the earth. Not a liberal view where you worship creation, Gaia, and as a wor- worship of the creation, you're, you're putting the creation before the creator and then you make your own laws because you become God and it becomes very perverse, which is what's going on in, in a lot of what's happening out there. But we see from the beginning before the Mosaic Law was given, God says, You shall not shed the blood of another person because they're made in the image of God. And if you do, He requires their blood. It's a death penalty. In Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, now in the law of Moses, you shall not murder one of the Ten Commandments. Exodus twenty-one twelve, whoever strikes and kills a man must surely be put to death. Exodus 23, 7. Stay far away from a false accusation. Do not kill the innocent or the just, for I will not acquit the guilty. Leviticus 24, 17. And if a man takes the life of anyone else, he must surely be put to death. Now some will say, well, yeah, but that's still all the Old Testament. You know? Well, guess what? In the New Testament, we're, you say, well, we're not in the law of Moses. Well, I pointed out Genesis 9, 6 and 7. That's before the law of Moses. And then... When you come to the New Testament, you see the reiteration of God's moral law. God's moral law doesn't change. It's always wrong to murder innocent life. In fact, now we're under the law of Christ. And the law of Christ, I believe, is the New Testament law that we've been given, that's written on our hearts. And part of the New Covenant in Jeremiah 31 and following. In Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. We're supposed to care for others, right? We're supposed to bear for the bear the burdens of others. And I don't know of any greater burden than being under the threat of being murdered. And fulfill the law of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 21, Paul mentions the law of Christ again. He says, for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all. Why? So that I might win more. He wants to win people to Christ. He calculates how can I win people to Christ and effectively be a witness. And so should we. The Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. We're only here for a short time. God wants us to win people to Christ. He wants you to be a great witness, a great example to people, shining the light of Christ, amen? And thinking about how, and praying about, Lord, help me to be a better witness. Because we're very... Into, as Christians, we should be, we ought to be, into saving physical life. But what matters most is where people spend eternity, amen? And we need to make sure that we're winning souls. And have you been praying about, Lord, help me be a better soul winner? Lord, give me divine appointments. Bring people in my life. Give me words to say. Give me boldness so I don't shrink back when I'm supposed to testify about you. It's important to be a witness, amen? And by the way, I believe by bringing people to Christ, you curb abortion radically because a woman who comes to Christ who belongs to Jesus, she's not going to just say, oh, I want to go abort my children now. If you're born again, the Bible says no murderer has eternal life in them. One who's truly born again isn't going to go around killing babies. Amen? Amen. So I believe the best way to overcome abortion is by leading more and more people to Christ. But that doesn't mean, oh, I lead people to Christ so I don't really pay attention to the abortion issue because it gets taken care of when I lead people to Christ. No, we're all supposed to be practical about it. Amen? That's why this fellowship has for years been involved in going to the CPC uh, banquets and so forth, we often have two or three tables of, you know, 30 people or so there, 20, 30 people. I think one time recently we had four tables, almost 40 people, which is great. Uh, but he says, though I am free from all men, I made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more. To the Jews I became as a Jew, so that I might win Jews, even though Paul is Jewish. To those who are under the law, under the kosher law, under the Jewish law, under the Mosaic law, as under the law, Though not being myself under the law. So Paul knew he didn't have to keep the law of Moses, because he wasn't in the law of Moses anymore. But he was around Jews, he would behave like a Jew under the law of Moses. Otherwise, they would just turn him off and not listen to them, to him, so that he could win them to Jesus. So that I might win those who are under the law. Then listen to what he says, verse 21. To those who are without law, like the Gentiles who weren't given the law of Moses, as without law. So when I'm around the Gentiles, I don't strap on, the, I don't strap on the, the Jewish laws, the 613 laws of the Old Testament. Listen to this. To those who are without law, as without law, though not being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Amen, Jimmy. So even though, wow, Paul was lawless then? Unless he was around, gen, uh, when he was around the Gentiles? No. He was not keeping the Mosaic law when he was around Gentiles. But he didn't just jettison God's moral law. He was under the law of Who? Christ. the teachings of the new testament he didn't violate and by the way the morals in the old testament that are written in our hearts were brought into the new covenant in fact all 10 of the 10 commandments except one is repeated in the new testament because they're all moral except one the fourth commandment isn't repeated to keep the sabbath law the day of rest they started meeting on the first day of the week and guess what we have our rest not just on Saturday. We have a rest every day. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Amen? Amen. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, right? For I am meek and humble, right? And I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Amen? Amen. We're at rest in Jesus. We've entered into our rest. Amen? Amen? So, I'm not without the law, Paul says, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. He's still under the law of Christ we have the law of Christ the new testament guess what the new testament is very clear about not murdering people there's those in the church today in the visible church not the spiritual organism that is legitimately the body of Christ that are antinomian they just throw off the law of god including the law of christ oh we don't have any morals to follow now that we're christians really we have the law of christ and God, Paul says, if you ignore what God's given him, his, the commands that have come through him, God will ignore you. That's pretty heavy. Now listen to some of the law. Well, Jesus, by the way, when they asked him what the greatest commandment was, what did he say? Thou shalt what? Ma- uh, Mark 12, 30, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. And he said, the second is likened unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, right? And Jesus says, on these two laws hang all the law and the prophets. They all pointed to the ultimate law of Christ, which Christ fulfilled the Mosaic law, it is finished, amen, and gave us the new covenant law, the law of Christ. And then when you read in the New Testament, you read about the law of Christ. And in Mark ten nineteen, he says, you know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not cheat others, honor your father and your mother. Well, these are all repeated in the new covenant. And in Romans 13, 9, we read this, the commandments, Paul says, do not ad- commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and any other of the commandments. He says are summed up in this one decree: love your neighbor as yourself. It's a New Covenant law. James two eleven. For he, he said, "Do not commit adultery," also said, "Do not murder." If you commit murder, but do not com- or if you commit adultery, but do not commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. You're still a lawbreaker. And you know what? Right into the Book of Revelation, and we could just we multiply. You know those prohibitions against murder but we're told in the book of revelation that there won't be repentance by the world in the end times in fact in revelation nine twenty one, this is after one of the trumpet judgments where people are being stung by locusts that have come out of the pit and they're being stung and they're in pain for months like five months i believe it says huh. they have no rest they still don't repent it says The objective there is God says he brings his judgments to the world that the nations will learn righteousness. Gives them a chance to repent before they go to hell. They get a little taste of hell, and they still don't repent. That's how bent some people are in wickedness. The idea that everybody's going to come to Jesus is a lie. The idea that the church is going to rule the world before Christ comes back is a lie. It just gets really bad here. It says they don't repent. Furthermore, it says in Revelation 9.21, Furthermore, they did not repent of their murder. Sorcery, pharmakeia, illicit drug use. Sexual immorality, porneto, sexual perversion. And theft. They don't repent. And what happens to them? Well, Revelation one eight. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and sexually immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation 22, 15 on who's outside the holy city, New Jerusalem, but outside are dogs. And that's a reference to the sexually immoral in the Old Testament, like male prostitutes and so forth. Uh, But outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, it's not talking about Fido, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. This is serious stuff, guys. God takes this real seriously. We're here for a short time. Our lives are vapors. We need to make sure that we understand what God's word says and that we're on the right side of not only history, but ultimately that we're on the right side, meaning where the sheep are, not the goats on the left side, who Jesus said will be sentenced, depart from me, you wicked, into eternal fire, prepare for the devil and his angels, uh, Matthew chapter 25. So it's important that you're making decisions, not just about your own life, but I believe the Bible commands us to stand up for the innocent. That's how you love your neighbors yourself. You fulfill the law of Christ by bearing the burdens of others. Now it's interesting, in Revelation 17 and 18, it talks about Babylon the Great, the, the, the scarlet, the uh, clothed in scarlet and golden cup full of her abominations and how she pollutes the entire world and she rules over the kings of the earth. And, uh, well, she's destroyed at the end by the Antichrist to a degree because the Antichrist and the ten kings that give him power turn on her and uh, destroy her with fire. But then you have the second coming of the Lord, where he mops up the entire world with the Lord, every nation, not just the Babylon. But it's interesting, Babylon is destroyed, and the angels of God and the saints of God rejoice that she's destroyed because her hands drip with the blood of the innocent, the blood of the saints. And I believe that speaks of martyrs there. But you know, there's a lot of blood of the innocents that are babies. And babies, you know, are saints. They're part of the kingdom of God. Do you know that? Before they reach the age of accountability, if you had a child and your child died at the age of one or two or three or four or five, whatever, before they reach an age of accountability where they're aware of being in rebellion to God and they die spiritually and need to be born again when they get a little bit older, the Bible says, of children, Jesus said, let the little children come to me, for of such are the what? They belong to what? The kingdom of God. Amen? Babies belong to the kingdom of God. Okay? And Paul said he was alive spiritually in Romans chapter 7. He says, at the time I was alive. I wasn't aware of what sin was. Then when I became aware of sin, right, and when he said it slew me. It killed him. We reached a time where we realize that we have guilt before the Lord that we need to get right. But when we're very young, the Bible doesn't teach infant damnation. That's an old Calvinistic lie that God, that's what Augustine taught, you know. That's what Calvin taught, that babies that, aren't elect are odious or hateful to God and he destines them for damnation that's not biblical guys that's not the heart of God uh, so babies I just think it's interesting revelation I, it's hard for me to believe although I don't know what's exactly in the mind of God when he has that stated he may mean just strictly martyrs I have to be straight up with you but he could be including also the millions and millions and millions and millions, and millions of babies that have been killed around the world tens of millions of babies are killed every year around the world. So, this is amazing. And and as Christians, we're not called to just say, okay, yeah, I need to make sure I don't, you know, destroy anybody. We need to make sure, the Bible says in Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works works of darkness, but rather what? Exposing. We're all supposed to expose what's going on. Supposed to have a prophetic voice of the state and say, this is wrong, this is murder. Even though it's not popular. Even though we're going against the grain. Even though we're dealing with a new administration that is pro-butchering babies in the womb and advocating more of it in, some, in many cases. I've talked to you before about Dr. Bernard Nathanson, and he's kind of an interesting guy because he was, you know, had, you know, was known for aborting just about, if not the most, babies in our country for years. And then he realized it was Murder. When he became more and more aware of, wow, this is actually killing babies. And then he became one of the major advocates to stop it. But I think it's interesting, Dr. Bernard Nathanson said that in the 1960s, before it was made legal in 73, that they, the strategists along with him, they strategized by hooking abortion into the women's rights movement and trying to make it like a women's rights issue that women should have the right to murder their babies. And that's was part of the strategy. So then you're talking about women's rights. So you're not talking about killing a baby now, you're talking about women's rights, right? And now they've made it not just women's rights, they've made a health issue, right? I don't know if you've seen uh, Harris, the VP, Kamala Harris. She just was celebrating Roe versus Wade. I'll give the quote a little bit later and how you know, we need to stand for Roe versus Wade because it's part of the health issues for women. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine? If you're allowed and the one professor gets his his wish that you're allowed to kill babies up to two years old, he's a leading bioethicist, by the way, and it's legal, and then, you know, they'll be talking about that. That's a health issue. That's a health issue. It's a woman's choice. What's the difference, right? I mean, not that they're going to get that, but it's just, you know, really, 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 really sad. Now, Susan B. Anthony, who's considered a champion, one of the... Names that comes to mind the most when you think of women's rights. She was actually uh, she considered abortion wicked, and that it was against women, and against babies, against children, against children's rights, and against women as well. And she took a very strong stand against it. Isn't that interesting? The women's right movement, rights movement, early on was not about killing babies, but in the 1960s they made a calculated step to say let's hook this to the wagon of women's rights, you know, and then eventually they did it with health. Sarah and Foster president of Feminist uh, for Life, speaks in the feminist case against abortion, Feminist for Life. She says that historically, uh, the feminists were against abortion, and but it's really ironic, isn't it? She states, quote, the anti-abortion laws, laws against abortion that early feminists worked so hard to enact. So the early feminists were making laws against abortion, making sure you couldn't kill babies in the mother's womb. The anti-abortion laws that early feminists worked so hard to enact to protect women and children were the very very ones destroyed by the Roe versus Wade decision 100 years later. Isn't that ironic? That's amazing. Because it was women's rights activists that were the ones that were able to champion and make sure there were laws against abortion. Isn't that crazy? And then 100 years later, Roe versus Wade destroys those laws. Keep in mind, the 1960s was... The decade where Do What Thou Wilt became popular. Alester Crowley, the Satanist, I mean, his phrase, Do What Thou Wilt, became do your own thing in the 60s. The hippies, counterculture. If it feels good, do it. And uh, a lot of the m- musicians watch our video. They sold their souls for rock and roll. They were championing that, that statement early on, including John Lennon and the Beatles, you know, of the Beatles. So it's interesting. Uh, and, and murdering babies, that was a big deal for Alester Crowley. Killing babies, you know. Uh, for sacrifice. And it's interesting, that doesn't mean every mother that's uh, having an abortion is sacrificing their child to Satan, but it is killing a baby. And you are sacrificing that baby's life for your own prosperity, for your own whatever reason you just try to justify it. You sacrifice your baby for something. And it's still wrong. Now it's interesting Uh, But then you have, you know, Margaret Sanger. And that's what our video is, is The Dark Secrets of Planned Parenthood. Margaret Sanger is is the founder of Planned Parenthood. She was an occultist, practiced occult works where you get in touch with spirits and everything else. She was demonic. It's funny because when I study a lot of the isms of the past, you always see demons. You often find demonic entities behind the people that are involved in these things. And she was in the occult. And she was before her time, as far as a progressive, morally, or immorally. With her husband, she had a line she put through the middle of their home. And she, he wasn't allowed to come on her side, and she would come on his side without his, her permission. And he had to ring her up, you know. And he had open marriage, so-called, where she can go out and sleep with other guys and stuff. She's a wicked lady, man. And guess what? She targeted black children. I mean, watch our video. It's really alarming. She targeted black children and others that she called misfits. In fact, Margaret Sanger had what she called the Negro Project. And they specifically went after black neighborhoods more than others to promote abortion. And Sanger wrote, uh, by the way, she was in cahoots and influenced by eugenicists. Eugenicists are those who believe that you should kill people that, you know, were considered misfits in society, physical disadvantages, mental disadvantages in, in, in your appraisal. And she has all kinds of stuff. I mean, quotations and using Nazi eugenicists, those who would become part of the Nazi party, she was a cahoots with. But she herself wrote, quote, organized charity. See, we're the bad guys. And by the way, I have quotes from Hitler and other Nazis where Christians are really bad because they're promoting the thriving of the unfit. Because Christian charity, right? Taking care of those who are hurting, taking care of those who are feeble, taking care of those who are mentally ill, taking care of those who are physically disadvantaged. That to the Nazis was, was reprehensible. It was an abomination because we want the pure German race and these Christians are hurting it. There's some really radical quotes from Hitler. Hitler wasn't a Christian, he was an occultist. We know that for sure. Totally into demons and stuff. We've, I've taught on that before. In her early writings, she reflected uh, this teaching, writing, quote, organized charity itself is a symptom of a malignant social disease. Those vast, complex, interrelated organizations aiming to control and diminish the spread of misery and destitution and all the menacing evils that spring out of the sinisterly fertile soil are the surest sign that our civilization has bred is breeding and perpetuating constantly increasing the numbers of defectives, delinquents, and dependents. I Meaning, you should be putting these people to death. And these, organi- these charities, which many of them were Christian, are causing people like that to be able to procreate. How dare them! That's why Planned Parenthood becomes very important to kill off the so-called delinquents and misfits and and dependents and defectives she wrote the most serious charge that can be brought against modern benevolence benevolence is the word for love by the way is that it encourages the perpetuation of defectives delinquents and dependents these are the most dangerous elements in the world community the most devastating curse on human progress and expression wow this is the founder of planned parenthood he was hillary clinton said that she was her greatest hero she also wrote, It now remains for the U.S. government, i make it a government thing, to set a sensible example to the world by offering a bonus or yearly pension to all obviously unfit parents who allow themselves to be sterilized by harmless and scientific means. In this way, the moron and the disease would have no, pos- uh, would have no posterity to inherit their unhappy condition. The number of the feeble-minded would decrease And the heavy burden would be lifted from the shoulders of the fit. That's wicked. That's her early writings, you know. And it's just, are you hearing what I'm reading? This is the founder of Plant Baronet. It's where a lot of our taxpayer money goes to, unfortunately, in different states. And she specifically targeted black Americans. I have quote after quote after quote which I'm not going to read to you now because I only have a little bit of time left but you can watch uh, our video on the dark secrets of Planned Parenthood. You'll be astonished. In fact, she even stated that we should get some black ministers who would do our bidding and would be liaisons from us to their population so they'll accept this. And she said it in far more, she said it in very, and when you read her quote, it's actually stronger than what I said. The way she uses it, She's about to dupe them basically. Even to this day, the percentage of black folks and the concentration of Planned Parenthood facilities are more toward per capita in black neighborhoods than elsewhere. What what about BBLM? Black, Black babies' lives matter, amen? Don't black babies' lives matter? They ought to. Of course, black lives matter. Unless you're just a, a Nazi or KKK member, you would agree with that 100%. But black babies, although we disagree with the, the political movement that's avowedly Marxist and says they stand against the nuclear family and they're not pro-life at all, they're pro-abortion and killing black babies, not really caring about black people, it's politics for, a lot, for those kind of movements. Amen? I'm sorry, I have to speak the truth. We have to speak the truth. Amen? Targeting black babies. Sad. Go to Psalm chapter 39, please. 139. Psalm 139. And As you're going there, well, let's just go there. Go to verse 13. I love this Psalm. For you formed my inward parts. You woe me in my what? Mother's womb. God is not just making a piece of art. He's weaving a living being in his image in the womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are all your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were all written. That's amazing. God He writes everything down that comprises a little infant, in it's his or her mother womb, the day that you ordained for me, the days that you ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I love that. That means God's not just weaving this baby, the babies in the womb, but He has just and He goes on to talk about these thoughts are as many as the sands of the sea, because God's just infinite mind, right? He Has all these wonderful thoughts about this baby that we're gonna brutalize and murder. Go to Jeremiah 1.5, Jeremiah 1.5, a little bit to your right if you're in Psalms, unless you're on a cell phone, Jeremiah 1.5, Jeremiah the prophet, he's just a teenager when the Lord's talking to him, and look what the Lord says, I I, I love this because Psalm 139 is a psalmist saying, this is how you viewed me, the Lord, this is how the Lord now is speaking to Jeremiah and how he viewed him, and he says, before I formed you in in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, in, I consecrated you, and I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Now it's really amazing because Jeremiah is going to be called to rebuke the false prophets who are allowing the murder of innocent babies. Go to, go to chapter 7 of Jeremiah. Chapter 7 of Jeremiah. And when you get there, go ahead and go to verse 30. Jeremiah 7.30. Look at what the Lord says to Jeremiah. For the sons of Judah have done that which is evil in my sight, declares the Lord. They have set their detestable things in their house, which is called by my name, to defile it. They're putting idolatrous temples in the temple of the Lord. Idolatrous uh, false gods in the temple of the Lord. Verse 31. They have built the high places of Topheth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom to burn their what? Their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I did not command. I, I didn't command it, and it did not come into my mind. It didn't even come into his mind. That's one, one there's a great verse against those who teach that everything is decreed by God, and it can't happen, but God just makes it happen. There's no way it can't but happen because God's determined it before we even existed. This did not even come to his mind as something that they should do. Verse thirty-two. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when it will no longer be called Topheth, or the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter, for they will bury in Topheth because there is no other place. The dead bodies of this people will be food for the birds of the sky and for the beast of the earth, and no one will be will frighten them away. Wow. Then I will make to cease from the cities of Judah and from the streets of Jerusalem the voice of joy, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, for the land will become a ruin. And it did. That's when they went into the 70 years of captivity in Babylon. Because they were killing, one of the reasons was because they were sacrificing their babies to the false god Topheth. And also mentions Moloch and Baal and other false gods throughout the Old Testament. I believe Moloch is mentioned in Jeremiah as well. And there's images of Moloch with his you know, that people have sketched from the, the readings of what had happened is they'd sacrifice their children to him. And sometimes they show these hands of Moloch and the, the stomach is hollowed out and, there, and there's this huge bonfire just made in his stomach where they just feed it wood and it's burning and the heat would go to the hands of this false god. And there they would, uh, according to these depictions, set these babies on the hands to sizzle. And of course they would have their their, their modern day Uh, Well, they'd have their ancient music, drums and everything, just going away, trying to perhaps uh, drown out the voices of these babies. We don't know exactly how this took place, but they were sacrificing them in mass. And they were worshiping these false gods in the Valley of Hinnom, which is, when you go to Israel, you go to the Temple Mount, if you go to the Mount of Olives, you'll see from the Mount of Olives, it looks like you almost reach over and touch it, you know. You can see the Temple Mount from the Mount of Olives, but in between you have the Kidron Valley, which is the Valley of Hinnom, or Topheth, which... Guess what that ended up becoming? A garbage dump, you know? And when takes, or Armageddon takes place, that's where a lot of the carnage will take place. and it's just going to be crazy, but I'll tell you what, right now. And then it was called Gehenna, and the smoke would constantly go up from the garbage. So Jesus would use that as a picture of hell. So hell, what becomes a picture of Hell, Gehenna, ultimately derives from the murder of innocent babies and throughout the scripture. It talks about how the blood of innocence pollutes the land. And cries. The scriptures talk about when it says that Satan, was, of, uh, Satan is, was a father of lies and he's a murderer from the beginning. How was he murdered from the beginning? He inspired the murder of Abel through Cain. It says Cain was of the evil one in First John. He was being used by Satan, an innocent being slayed. So you have this whole spiritual dynamic going on. This possessed, demon possessed woman named Margaret Sanger perpetuating this. Our country is saying, oh, it's women's rights, it's health. It's a lie. It's a lie. Now, Chad had mentioned uh, the Hyde Amendment and uh, so forth. In fact, uh, a question was being asked uh, to the press secretary for President Biden, new press secretary, uh, Psaki, who is responding to a question by somebody asking questions in the audience. And the question was, what is President Biden doing uh, on those two items right now? talking about the Hyde Amendment and also uh, the... uh, Mexico City policy, and one of those amendments has to do with the federal funds that go to pay for abortion, our taxpayer money, under any circumstances. What's he going to do about that? You know what Psaki said, her answer was? She's answering for Biden. She's the press secretary. I will just take the opportunity to remind all of you that he is a devout Catholic and somebody who attends church regularly. He started his day attending church with his family this morning, but I don't have anything more for you on that. Oh, just, he's a devout Catholic, so whatever he decides, even if it's a mass murder babies with your tax money, remember, he went to church. He goes to church. He goes to the Roman Catholic Church, which is interesting because before the election, Cardinal, Roman Catholic Cardinal Raymond Burke, a member of the highest uh, judicial authority of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, said of Biden, quote, and electing him or who should be elected. I don't intend to get involved in in recommending any candidate for office, but simply to state that a Catholic may not support abortion in any shape or form because it is one of the most grievous sins against human life and has always been considered to be intrinsically evil. Burke goes on to say, and therefore to support the act is a mortal sin. Certainly he said, he goes on, he also says, certainly he is not a Catholic in good standing, speaking of Biden. And he should not approach to, to receive Holy Communion. By the way, and we're not Roman Catholic, and we recognize Roman Catholic as way outside the pillar of Christianity in a lot of areas, but we would agree, yeah, what he's saying there about him claiming to be a Catholic even doesn't fit Catholic standards at all. It's considered murder, and it's interesting. By the way, Nancy Pelosi went to church with him, and, and she also calls herself, quote, a devout practicing Catholic, end quote. This is all political theater, guys. It's all political theater. They don't follow the Catholic teachings. They don't truly follow uh, any teachings that ultimately have to do with supporting babies in the womb for life. Vice President Harris retweeted Friday on the 40, or I'm sorry, she tweeted Friday this last Friday. On the 40th anniversary of Roe versus. Wade, we recommit ourselves to ensuring that everyone has access to care, including reproductive health care no matter their income, race, zip code, health, insurance status, or immigration status. So in celebration of the 48th anniversary to legally brutalize and murder and rip babies from shred to shred, we, we celebrate and we tie this, she ties it into reproductive health care. Imagine that, murdering someone and saying, oh, it's about health care. When abortion takes place, it's very, very rarely with le- having to do with legitimate uh, life and death issues with the mom. And that's another issue but that we're not getting into at this moment. But to act like it's just a health care issue. Uh, governor Lee, uh, Bill Lee, Tennessee governor, he retweeted what she wrote. And then he wrote, governor retweeted the vice president's one-line statement. He wrote a one-line statement, quote, abortion isn't health care. Okay? And then he goes on to say, then he gives a response after that to, to donate to Hope Clinic for Women. Which is a faith-based organization that supports uh, life and children, and Governor Lee stated, "Quote: Join me in supporting health care for Tennessee women and the unborn by donating forty-eight dollars to At Hope City today." Uh, So it's interesting, you know what's going on right now. There's a battle for the children going on, and Dr. L. A. Agnew, professor of uh, UCLA of UCLA, uh, I'm sorry, medical school, gave this question to his students at the UCLA Medical School. What would you recommend? The father has syphilis. The mother has tuberculosis. They already have four children. One is blind. The second one died. The third is deaf. The fourth has tuberculosis. The mother is pregnant with a fifth child. The parents are willing to have an abortion. If you decide they should, what do you think they should do? You're going to make the decision. They're willing just want one more vote from you. What should you say? Well, I know what Margaret Sanger would say, right? But the majority of the children, the students in the class said, yeah, she should have an abortion. And then, well, it's kind of interesting because Dr. Agnew said, congratulations, class, you have just murdered Beethoven for that was the circumstances of his home. And whatever you think of Beethoven, you're having innocent people murdered that have not sinned that are creating God's image. And who knows what they could become, you know? And even if they just become an ordinary person, you've murdered a baby that's creating God's image because God has incredible plans for those who are made His image who accept the gospel of Jesus Christ for all eternity. He says, congratulations, class, you've just murdered Beethoven. That's, that's very, very amazing to me. And I'll tell you what? What can we do? Proverbs 24, 11, it talks about rescuing those who are being dragged to life and that are headed for destruction. And we're going to close with that verse. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 11. Deliver those who are being taken away to death. It's a command. Deliver those who are being taken away to death and those who are stri- staggering to slaughter Oh, hold them back. If you say, See, we did not know this. Does he not consider it who weighs the hearts? And does he not know it who keeps your soul? And will not you, (laughs) this is heavy, and will he not render to you a man according to his work? Meaning we're going to be judged for whether we stand for life or not when we stand before God. And you know what's interesting? It gives no specific context there. It doesn't talk about who is being led to destruction but we know babies are amen and we don't commit violence which begets more violence against a criminal as citizens but we could be praying there's a lot we could do are you praying prayers the, the the prayer of righteous man in the bible says the fervent prayer of righteous man availeth much very powerful be involved in praying amen we can make our voices heard amen not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and also not be ashamed to stand up for life that he's made in his image, amen? We can go to the CPC banquets when they have them. Right now, it's been tough because the whole COVID thing, you can give a donation to your local CPCs, crisis pregnancy, pregnancy clinics, where you're listening by live stream or you're here. That's one way that, that supports, you know, sometimes they get uh, ultrasound technology where they will show, which saves a ton of lives, they show the mother, the baby, like, I had no idea. They have speakers. It changes people's viewpoints. And if you think, you know, well, there's not much we could do because, you know, uh, abortion is so entrenched in our society now. It's, it's so rampant. You could do things on an individual level, too, that could really impact someone's life. Amen? And it's interesting. You know, in ancient Rome, Roman, Romans ruled the world during the early church when Paul was writing here. And they, it was legal to commit infanticide. Kill babies, abortion, suicide was legal. Child abandonment was legal. They'd leave their babies on a wall. Christians would go and take them, right? Uh, The deadly gladiators, all that was legal, right? Isn't that crazy? Until Christianity became legal around 317 or so. And after Christianity became legal, it wasn't long before all those things became illegal. Do you remember that the Atlantic free, you know, slave trade African-Americans being enslaved for years, but Wilberforce and, and Wesley, the revivalists, they, they made their voices heard, and they were two keys, along with many Christian abolitionists. Christians, more than anybody else, changed slavery and what's going on. Things are different now because of Christians. And then true, genuine Christians who had to fight against the KKK, which was the enforcement arm of the, of the Democratic Party at the time. You know that. KKK was uh, conservative Christians that were Republicans, and I don't call myself Republican, but just history, they were never (laughs) pro-slavery. It's just weird how the media, just the propaganda that's out there. We've always been for life and for true freedom, amen? So it's important that you know that there was a change made in the Roman Empire. I'm sure a lot of Christians said, well, we'll never change what's going on in the Roman Empire. Christians were praying when Christianity was legalized. Those things became illegal, in fact, do you realize abortion would be just to the, ninth, to the last day and even beyond probably in every state, and it would just be full bore if it wasn't for Christians standing up in our country for years and years and years? It's made a huge difference. So yeah, a difference can be made. It may not become illegal in our country, and we know the Bible says things will get worse, but we need to stand for Jesus. Amen. He's all about forgiving. Remember the woman that came to him and washed his feet with her tears, and the Pharisees were judging him if he knew who she was. He said, hey, I came in here, you didn't wash my feet. He was forgiven much, loves much. If you're a woman and you've been involved in an abortion, and it's not just women. In fact, I hold men responsible. I think it was pretty much all men on the Supreme Court. You know, men often encouraging their girlfriends or wives to commit abortion. That's wicked. If you're a man who's ever encouraged it, or if you're a woman who's had an abortion, there's forgiveness if you come to Christ, because all of us have sinned. Remember, another woman was taken before Jesus and they wanted her stoned to death, right? And what did Jesus begin to do? On right on the ground. And then one by one, from the oldest to youngest, because they were the, w- the wiser, they left. And, you know, and it's, what, was, what did the finger of God write before? His commandments, the Old Testament. Amen. And it's very likely he was putting the commands that they had broken. Maybe names, dates, we don't know. One by one they left. He says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. We're all guilty of God's law. We've all broken God's law. We all need to repent and get right with Jesus, amen? But if you've, if you've had an abortion, you need to make sure you repent and you're forgiven. And once you're forgiven by Jesus, guess what? The Bible says if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And that if we say that we're, we have no sin, we're liars and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You could be white as snow right now. And he was forgiven much, which all of us have been forgiven much, loves much. Then you give him love. And if we love him, we obey his commandments. And one of his commandments is to deliver those who are being dragged off to death. It's like the ex-smoker who hates smoke. The ex-abortionist should become among the strongest. It's hard, I know. I was driving down the road with my wife one time. I told the story probably once before in the, in the assembly. And we were just seeing each other. We were just dating just seen each other. And I had Phil Kage on. All of a sudden a song came out as we're driving my old CJ5 Jeep, you know, ragtop. And, uh, and I was like, ooh, this song's about abortion, you know. And he's taking one of the Psalms about being in the womb and how he's being terrorized by his enemies, applying it to a baby in the womb. And I turned it off. And she's like, what are you doing? I go, well, you know what? Uh, actually I actually asked her. I go, have you ever had an abortion? You know, she said, yeah. I go, okay, well, this song is about from the baby's baby's perspective, you know. So I don't know if uh, you want to hear this. You know, she's like, "No, I'm am fine with it." You know, turn it on. She was brand new in the faith. So I'm fine, and her mom and her both went to Now Move meetings. You know, uh, with I think uh, Moore Park College, which she was going there. I'm fine. I turn it on, and the baby and the the heaviest part of the song. The baby like, "Save me from my enemies," and and Allison and I hear this just piercing, makes me almost cry right now. Piercing, just stop, turn it off, turn it off. I turned it off. We pulled over. We prayed. She was bawling. She goes, I never realized it was a baby. I never realized it was a child, you know. And it is. They are babies, they are children. So a lot of this is making people aware of what they're doing. Amen. Because a lot of people have been brainwashed to think it's not a baby, it's not a child. That's why the ultrasound technology has been huge. Can you show that? It's not ultrasound technology, just the picture. Jonathan got this picture up. And I just love this pic. We have the lights down too, It'd be great. But uh, you see this uh, baby reaching out of the womb, grabbing the hand of the, the uh oh, right there, on the far left is the baby's hand. Thinking, man, I'm looking to the right thinking, hey, baby's got a big hand, man. <laughs> 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 right to the far left. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you know what? We, we want to fight for them, amen? If you were being destroyed and people just said it was okay and doctors were making money off it, would you want someone to step up Well, these babies can't step up. They can't speak. They're in the womb, but we can, amen? Amen. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord. Father God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Father, that you've given us life and light. And Father, help us to stand up for the most innocent and the most vulnerable. And those are the babies in the womb, Father. And help us to pray for them, Father. Help us to fight for them. Help us to give toward their deliverance. Help us to make our voices heard. Give us wisdom on what each of us is to do. But Father, we pray that as you do that, Father, that we would not lose focus of the gospel, that we'd still keep in mind that we can save babies' lives physically, but their mothers and everyone around them could perish eternally, and they could as well if we don't share the gospel. So we pray, Father, in your son's name that you would help us to continue to lift up the name of Jesus, the one who forgives all of our sins. Pray for anybody here who's had an abortion, that they would know that you love them so much you gave your son, and that each and every one of us is guilty of breaking your law and whether it's anger in the heart, Jesus said, sort uh, of brother without a cause is also murder, Father, or it's actually, you know, aborting or whatever. We thank you for the forgiveness that comes through Jesus. Father, we would pray that as Jesus told the woman that was caught in adultery, go and sin no more, that we would go forward and not only not sin anymore like, at all, but especially in the way of murder, but in every way, Father, but that we would glorify you and live for you and hold up your standard of righteousness and live by it and reflect it as people look at our lives and that we are and we we pray that we be living epistles because we know we're read of men and that when people look at our lives they see the gospel according not matthew mark luke or john but they see the gospel according to us and it would match the gospel of christ that they read about or we read about in scripture in jesus name amen